All right. Well, welcome to our outreach expo. Yay! You can you can holler whatever you want to do. Normally, I don't sit. You know, I'm not such a hip hipster pastor that I like to sit and teach. This is more of a conversation, you know, than a preach. No, I like to yell at you and preach. But today I'm sitting down. All right, today it is going to be multiple conversations, and I'm quite excited about today. Um, how did Outreach Expo begin? Well, if some of you might remember Dylan and Samantha D'Ambrosio, I believe that's how you pronounce them. Uh, and they might be even watching uh, online because they have recently relocated to another town. We miss them dearly. But Samantha was on staff with us uh, for about a year um, um, looking after our kids' ministry. Quick little announcement. Uh, Jen over there is taking her place. Jen, Jen, Jennifer Mc... McBurney, there we go. I wanted to do the McBurney thing, but it's McBurney, she says. All right, I don't know. Jennifer is taking Samantha's place. So just so you know, um, she'll be looking after the kids' ministry from here onwards. But Samantha and her husband actually came to faith um, during COVID through our online services. So they're very young Christians. And it's an amazing to see just what God has done in their lives, and we're so excited for what He's going to continue to do uh, in their next chapter. But on staff, we have staff meetings uh, usually once a week. Uh, we go through an agenda, we pray together, a little devotion, um, and then we plan what we do uh, or what needs to get done for that week. Um, and so Samantha's gotten to know, obviously, our church culture during that time as we talk about the stuff that we are involved uh, in and with as a church. And it's quite, we take it for granted because I've been a Christian um, for at least two decades. Um, and I've worked in the church for at least a decade. And, uh, and so, you know, for me, it's like the air that I breathe in a sense. But she was blown away at where the money goes and the kinds of things that we as a church gives towards. And so, of course, she's heard the announcements many times. Hey, thank you for your giving, your faithful giving. And we often just end there. We don't make a big hoo-ha of giving. And tonight isn't even a plea for you to give, even though there will be opportunities to do so. And I trust you will be moved to be generous uh, in, in creative ways or more ways. But she said to me, um, you've got to tell other people. Like, if I don't know... I don't think other people perhaps know as well. And every now and then, yeah, we profile something. And so she just said, it would be so great if on one Sunday, you could just like tell it straight up, straight out, like tell people where some of our missions funds go. As a church, we, um, we generally, our trend is that around 20% of our income, we give away. Um, and we break that up into discretionary giving, social justice. We give towards our church planting and strengthening movement. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we, we have a strategy in terms of that. But I think even 2022, if you were at the AGM, we actually even uh, went above and beyond that because we planted, you know, another couple out to, to Cornell. You'll find out about that. But the point I'm trying to make is that for a small church, I hope you're encouraged. You, you'll realize that actually we are quite open-handed when it comes to finances, and that's something to celebrate. Um, and so tonight's happening because it's Samantha's idea, really. Uh, you know, great on Samantha. She has the idea, and then she leaves, you know, and we were left with the hard work of pulling tonight together. Um, but that is just a little bit of the backstory why we decided to call it an outreach expo. Um, and so I was reminded of Second Corinthians uh, chapter 8, where Paul talks about the Macedonian church. And if you look in the book of Acts, 
Um, you'll see, uh, I think Paul probably spent around three weeks over there. Um, and according to Paul, when he writes to the Corinthian church, he mentions uh, that this Macedonian church or the church in Macedonia, they weren't necessarily the wealthiest with the most resources, but they were known for their generosity. In fact, when Paul writes to the Thessalonians, we won't read that, but if you read the first few verses in, in uh, the letter that he writes to that church, uh, in First Thessalonians, he talks about what the God has done in their church, ringing out into the nations. It rang out for others to see. But this is how he, um, this is how he writes about the Macedonians to the Corinthians. It made me think of our church. Not that we are not a wealthy church, but we're not a massive church. But I'm very proud of our church in terms of generosity. And so here he writes, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus um, that as he, had, as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, faith, speech, knowledge, all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you, he's saying Corinthians, see that you excel in this act of grace, the grace of giving also. It's quite amazing how the Macedonian church said, listen, please include us, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part. And so often um, we could make excuses. I don't have enough. I don't have enough yet. One day I will you know, skip past the plate along, not me yet. And the Macedonians have said, don't, don't look down your nose at us as a church that's poor. We want to be included in our giving. And in doing so, they were an encouragement and even exhorted through Paul the Corinthian church to give. I'm trusting some of that will happen tonight as you find out about the areas that we as a church give to as well. Okay, so that is, um, might not be the only scripture that we read, but certainly the only preachy moment. Okay, so I am going to actually invite up, first of all, a guest from out of town. So this is like a once-off or twice-off appearance. Jonathan has been with us before. So Jonathan, won't you make your way up to the stage, give him a round, and then Hurley as well. I want you guys to witness this. Where's Hurley? Yeah, take one of those seats, and I'm going to hand you a microphone. Thank you. Let's see how this works. Let's see if this works. Go for it, Hurley. Okay. <laughs> take ease on me, okay? This is my first time with this thing. <laughs> Doing good. All right, so I'm supposed to ask him a few questions about his fame, his family, and his name, Just where he lives. We'll figure it out. Okay, it, yeah. okay. Tudo bom, meu irmão? Tudo bem, português? <risos> Tudo bem. Prata aí, meu. Graças a Deus, como é que você está? <risos> eu estou ótimo. Tá bom. Agora ouvindo você falar minha língua, estou feliz. Olha só pá. que legal, tem uma diferencinha no sotaque. <risos> né? É verdade. Em Angola Esse falamos assim. É de onde? Angola. Da Angola, yeah. muito bem. Eu já conversei com outros angolanos. Uau. E eles têm um sotaque bem, bem peculiar. Yeah. É diferente do português de Portugal Sim. e do português do Brasil. Com certeza. Com <risos> certeza. We, uh, I noticed the, the difference uh, between accents. So his Portuguese is from Angola, 
And the Portuguese I speak from Brazil, obviously, obviously. <laughs> and there is a little difference between the accent. So I was just commenting on this. Agora fala para gente o seu nome. Pode apresentar por favor a sua família e dizer um pouquinho sobre o lugar de onde você veio. Em português ou em inglês? Em português. Em português. Tá bem, tá bem. Então eu chamo-me Jonathan Holden. O nome dele é Jonathan. Em inglês. Switching to English, his name is Jonathan. A minha esposa é a Karen e nós temos quatro filhos. His wife is Karen and he has four children. Charles, Ellie, Julia and Rachel, who is now six weeks old. Okay, so Charles. Charles, Ellie. Ellie. Julia. Julia. Did I go into English? I went into English, didn't I? No need for translation, sorry about that. E somos, somos de Angola. Trabalhamos no Lubango. Lubango é a cidade. Okay, so they came from Angola, and they uh, there is a, they came from a city called Ubando. L Lubango. Lubango. Yeah, <laughs> que é no sul de Angola. Angola South. Yeah, uh, é uma cidade de mais ou menos um milhão e duzentos mil pessoas. It's a city with one million two hundred uh, people each. Yeah. yeah, eu cresci lá. He was born over there. Yeah, os meus pais foram para lá como missionários em 1985. Oh, so his parents uh, were missionaries in, and they went there in 1985. Yeah, e os meus bisavós foram para Zâmbia uh, em 1917. So his grand grandparents went to Zambia in 1917. Então, eu sou a quarta geração da minha família a servir em, em países africanos como missionários. So, he is the fourth generation of missionaries in uh, African countries. Yeah. Meu bisavô trabalhou uh, como pioneiro num dos povos não alcançados da Zâmbia. His grandparent parent, uh, was a pioneer uh, doing evangelism in this uh, Zambia country. Meu, uh, o filho dele, Robert Foster, trabalhou a mobilizar grandes números de missionários da Inglaterra, Estados Unidos e Canadá para países africanos. So his, uh, his son, o filho he, dele, his name is Robert Foster. Robert Foster, he was mobilizing uh, lots of people uh, from Canada, US, and yeah, England. Yeah, not, uh, he yeah. just said. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, before you leave, Hurley, wait, 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 wait. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, my mind is spinning already. Number one is, how many Portuguese-speaking people do we have in the building tonight? If you speak Portuguese, stand up. I think a big contingency on that side. Tonight, it happens that... Let me just... Boa noite. Actually, tonight we have way more than we've ever had, I think. It's just the, and so it's a good time for... And, and secondly, I want to just commend Hurley. I remember meeting Hurley and his wife uh, because our children went to the same school together. And I remember our first dinner. And 
it would have been really nice if Jonathan was present because at, he, we, we were like, we were, what is this word, uh, you know, speaking slowly and especially Ilana. Ilana was still on a big learning curve because you had been here, I think, a little sooner. You had a bit more English. Um, I just want to commend you. Here you are translating. Yeah. We can send you, we can send you as a translator when some of us maybe one day find ourselves in Angola and you come. Hallelujah. Back. You can be the translator <laughs> when one of us preach, hey? So let's give Hurley a big round of applause. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for... Did I say obrigado? Yeah? yeah, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. At least I know a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan, come. S step into my office. There we go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thank you for introducing your family a little bit to us. Um, I mean, the last time you were with City Gates, it was at least three years ago, but I think it was four, four, four years ago. Absolutely. Since then, quite a bit has happened. Um, uh, number one is I believe you are studying, uh, doing a PhD. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so 2021, I began a PhD in organizational leadership. Actually, around the time I was with you guys, I started looking into what I wanted to be studying and began that journey. So that's been about 20 hours a week investment for the last three years. And I'll be defending my thesis in November. Wow. So really excited about that. And that's really been like a foundation for what I see for the next 30, 40 years of mobilizing missionaries. I was saying that my uh, great uncle was mobilizing missionaries from North America and Europe to Africa. And I believe now God has positioned me strategically to be mobilizing missionaries from Africa and specifically Angola to the nations. Amazing. Amazing. So the reason I'm saying that is that, you know, doing a Ph.D., uh, at the same time, you, the, God has been doing some amazing things, yeah. uh, particularly in multiplying home churches or small church plants. So can you tell us a little bit of what has happened, I guess, in the last three years or so? Yeah. yeah. Uh, interestingly, a lot, a lot of churches were talking about problems during COVID of low attendance. God really did the opposite for us. I don't know what your story is, but during COVID, uh, we were about 15 people and we had just... Uh, branched out from a more traditional institutional church and wanted to focus on just one-on-one -on -one discipleship going into neighborhoods, sort of like SWAT teams being sent into the, 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 the trenches, pulling people out of the devil's uh, chains and bringing them to Christ was sort of the, the passion that we had. And during COVID, the churches were all closed. So the 15 of us met for two months every day at breakfast, five in the morning, praying to God, asking for a vision for this new uh, movement that we felt was being birthed in that, in that home. And when COVID was sort of re-released, we were able to start working again. We had five groups. And those uh, young, there were young adults from, I guess, 17 to about 30 years old, which is actually interesting because the population in Angola, the average age is 16. 80% of the people are under 30. Yeah. So it's really interesting context. A lot of kids, a lot of, lot of adolescents. And they just went out of there with full throttle. And we opened five groups in 2020. And today they have 63 groups, three years later, that they're leading. So it's been really amazing seeing them just taking that vision of simplifying church, taking out all the complex stuff, the difficult stuff, and making it really simple that anybody who is a disciple of Jesus can actually plant a church and should be able to make disciples. No. I love that. I love that. Um, won't you tell us, uh, you know, we're a church in Canada and the West here, yeah? And often when we define church, we use uh, interesting criteria. You mm. say simple church. Can you give us the key ingredients <laughs> yeah. of, a, of a bona fide, legitimate church? Okay. <laughs> well, it should have a small group of people at least. Jesus talked about two or three people meeting together, and the presence of Jesus would be there. 
I think that's the main thing. Is Jesus present? And if Jesus is present, everything that the Bible talks about will be happening because he's the one that's making it happen and we're trusting him. I think that would be uh, the, the simplest version of it. That, that's great. It's the correct answer. Well done. Uh, ten, 10 out of 10. <laughs> um, uh, one thing that I remember from our last uh, chat and your last visit with us is that you do have real success. Now, not only because it sounds like Angola, uh, their average age is really somewhere mm. in the high teens, mm. or at least most people, mm. or many people. Um, so naturally, you are, have real success with young kids. We have quite a few. Normally, we have our teenagers break out uh, every second week uh, of the month for some uh, unique uh, leadership investment and their unique time. So I want them to listen to this answer as well. But um, tell us a little bit more about the success that you've had in particular with young adults, let's call them that, yeah. around the, a love for the scriptures. I know that's something that's yeah. Good at. Yeah, and my answer, I guess, would I really wanted to uh, recognize that I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Uh, my dad developed in the 80, 90s, I guess I was a baby when he began it, this discipleship program for children. And he was challenged by a visionary pastor in Angola named Sikila, who had been, been trained systematically by my dad in studying the word and exposing it. And he said, could we do something like that for the children? You know, we're being trained so well. And my dad took that idea and systematized it. He created this system of training children from the time they were 8 till 14 uh, in, in memory, memorizing scriptures. So over those six years, we were given 200 verses, knowing them word per word perfectly, tested each year cumulatively. So not learning one verse one week and then another one and then forgetting the first one. No, it was tested every five weeks and then repeated, and then by, so the end of the six years, you, you were tested on the whole content of those verses, and we were able to tell the stories of the Pentateuch, so the first five books of the Bibles, with pictures, so we weren't being told stories as children, we were being trained to tell stories. Wow. Yeah, so during those, by the time we were 14, you had uh, people who were trained, you didn't need to recruit outside, they were trained within the program, and the last two years of the, of the program, they were trained as teachers of the program. So it just came uh, full circle. So I was trained in that, and when I was a teenager, we were doing uh, high school level theology training as kids. So basically, I've, I've continued on with that and had a, a, a lot more of an evangelistic approach to it. My dad did that within churches and helped uh, churches develop that. And I've taken that and made a bit of like SWAT teams. Mm. Yeah, we, 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 we bought a house in 2015. The previous owner had a group of kids that were meeting there. I challenged the adolescents and I told them, I said, look, you guys are gonna teach these children. There were 50 children meeting at that house every week. And they looked at me and they were like, whoa, you, you think we can do that? And I said, I know you can do that. I know that you can do so much more than society around is having you believe. Maybe that your parents are expecting of you. So much more than the church is actually expecting of you. I think one of the uh, deservices that we've done to our adolescents and our kids is lowered our bar of expectation. We're disrespecting them. You guys can do so much. You're so intelligent, so energetic. You guys should be leading this service. Tell you guys should be preaching. Tell what you need is people like Vic to believe in you and to, in that credit, actually translate that into effort in, in praying for you and, and engaging with you. When I started working with the first group of teens, I said, every day, I want to see you at my house at 6 a.m. Tell them. I said, I'm doing my master's degree and I don't have time during the day, but every day, you know, having that high level of expectation, I see Jesus doing that. Jesus didn't make things easy. He said, if you want to follow me, you got to be ready to die. you got to be ready. This is serious stuff. And this is worthwhile investment. Are you in? 
And he said, I don't have a place to lay down my head. Are you in? And he, he laid this really high expectation. And it wasn't trying to do something that would please everyone. No. He was training an army of disciples that would take a movement that would change the world. Mm. I don't think we should do any less. Yes. Yeah. And we've, we, that's basically what we've done. We've trained these young men. Of course, we're not perfect and we're still learning. But each one of those young guys that have invested, some of them fallen away, that's, that'll happen as well. But keep investing. Keep investing in those people that stick with it and keep the, 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 the expectations high. The guys that continued with it, they've now gone to 12 different neighborhoods and started up. I started with a group of 50 kids that, that those teens were, were leading. They are now working with teens in those neighborhoods, repeating the same pattern that we did with them, memorizing scripture, learning how to tell the scripture, learning how to preach at a very young age. And they're now leading this movement with about 600 children in those 12 neighborhoods. So encouraging. I want to encourage you to have a conversation, if you can, with Jonathan afterwards. He'll be out at the back at a table. Um, I know you gave me two pictures. We didn't even look at them, so they should be up on the screen. <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, you know, 10 seconds each on each no of those No problem. Pictures. They're basically the generations. This one is the uh, younger group that are now, there was about 45 uh, teenagers that we sent to YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission. Uh, so these, these are 14 to 18-year-olds, and they're the ones running the program. And the young adults that I trained, and they're from, these are from seven different neighborhoods. There are others in other provinces now that are doing the same. And the other photo is the older, the older generation. So this, there's about 45 as well, young adults. Not all of them are here. Some of them are in other provinces as well. But different generations that God has brought up. And we're, we're believing that God is raising up a generation of disciples to go to the nations. Go to all part of Angola. We have 530 townships in Angola. And we want to send them. We're believing God is sending them. They, we're already in seven townships and uh, two other countries. We have one guy in Namibia who's already serving as a, as a missionary there. And one girl in Portugal who's already serving there as well. Fantastic. Man, amazing. So inspiring. Thank you so much, Jonathan. So much, this is a little something from us to you Thank as you a so church. Much. For your ministry, Thanks we so really much. appreciate you. We're going to have some more chats, absolutely. All right, so um, a little bit of me now. A little less exciting, but let me tell you about Advance. This is the um, uh, movement of churches that we are partnering with. Um, and we have committed to just scoop 3% of our income um, and give that to Advance for the work that they do. So that is in many ways our denomination. If you were wondering what is this movement of churches, this network you speak of, think of it as the denomination that we are part of. We share the same doctrinal values um, amongst other things. Uh, we believe in what they're doing. We have benefited from what they're doing uh, personally, and uh, myself and corporately as a church. And so the way that we take those 3% is we, we actually split that up into two categories. We give to Advance Global, which is what God uh, God does through Advance Worldwide, and then um, we give a smaller percentage, or a bigger percentage, sorry, to Advance North America, in sp specifically for what God does on the, this continent um, through their work. And so I reached out this week just to um, some of the people that does the administration, saying, yeah, give me some headlines uh, on, on what has happened in 2022 and 2023. Um, and so, as I said, it's a church planting and strengthening network. Um, uh, we do this uh, around the gospel, and um, this year, um, Advanced North America has planted two churches. Um, they are supporting um, quite a few smaller 
uh, church plants in North America. Um, they train up church planters, so there's a fresh crop of people. We call it ACPC, the Advanced Church Planters Course. Toby actually went on that course uh, before we sent him out to Quinell as well. Lawrence went on that church planters course as well. And so all that material, all that stuff uh, goes towards enabling them to do this two-year, uh, um, uh, you know, it's, it's training um, over six modules. Uh, and then they also train up strengtheners, people that lead churches that travel around supporting and, um, and encouraging other churches, empowering them, breaking open nations. Uh, just a couple of things. They also support 35 churches uh, in Nepal. So there's a couple of, few, uh, couple of churches uh, abroad that Advanced North America has picked up as well, not just Advanced Global, um, of which one I'll tell you a little bit about that we also, in addition to that, uh, support and, and help. But of course, um, our own story of a church being planted and being strengthened is Quinell in BC, British Columbia. Um, you can see there the Keens, the family, they were um, on eldership here with us, September 2020. What a time to plant a church in the middle of a pandemic. There they go to Quinell, small town in northern British Columbia. And, um, and, and then in 2022, we sent another family here, Toby and Loretta and their kids. Um, he also served on our eldership team uh, to go and support the Keens. And about two months after that, Lawrence got really, really ill, nearly lost his life. And so, as I said, actually, this young church plant um, already had a leadership transition. So Lawrence, by God's grace, is getting better, but he's no longer at the helm of this church. I am going there on Friday with my wife. Um, to actually mark a very special moment where this church moves from being a church plant, which is code for a baby church, to recognizing it is now, in fact, a planted church. So many things will tell the stories of what God has done over these three years, primarily through the Keens, and then the Max are actually standing on the shoulders of the pioneer work that Lawrence and Liz has done there. They have a building. Um, like I said, they, they have repertoire and reputation in that city. People know and love that church. They are doing incredible work amongst the, the, the poor and the marginalized. Um, we're just going to celebrate that. And actually, alongside um, you know, a venue uh, kind of facelift and relaunching visions and uh, uh, vision and values, um, uh, just making it known, uh, other people from the town and from advance will be present there, ourselves included, just saying, hey, God has established something there. That it's, it's, it's going. It's moving ahead. So encouraging. So that is, um, is Two Rivers. There's a little video there that uh, we'll play for you. Hey, City Gates, this is Toby here out in Quinell with Two Rivers. Um, we are kind of ramping up uh, to launching out on September 24th, uh, as Vic put it, from becoming a church plant to a planted church. And as we kind of do some, some renovations and all that kind of stuff, I'm just thinking about you guys, probably because you guys are, are all, always ready for the chaos of, of change and I think of the waypoint again. Uh, but you guys have held us up in prayer, supporting us, uh, and we are planted trips because you guys planted us. So just thinking about you guys, uh, can't wait to have Vic and Tanya with us on, the, on that weekend. And uh, we love you guys, and we'll see you. Church in Nepal. 
Um, it's in a place called Kailali in Nepal. It's kind of north or, or sort of west of Nepal. I don't think you can see it quite clearly on that map. And um, I reached out to this church. Um, uh, there's a picture of the leaders of that church on little brochures at the back there um, to try and send us just some pictures, some updates. Uh, we as a church are commit, have committed to, to giving 150 US dollars uh, every month. It goes so much further in Nepal than it does over here uh, in North America. And so we are helping that church uh, do its thing. In fact, um, uh, Puron, who you'll see on a video right now, he kind of oversees the work that takes place in Nepal. Um, I've been communicating with him as well. He actually put me in touch with someone from Nepal that's studying in Peterborough, and we tried to get them over here so we can have an actual one-on-one -on -one interview with somebody from there. Also, somebody who works particularly with the youth in Nepal and knows the church personally that we give financially to. We were just not able to swing that. So um, at this stage, this little interview would have to do. So all eyes on the screen again. The last few years, um, especially after the pandemic, you know, things hasn't been very easy, not only for Nepal, but all around the world. Despite of that, we have seen tremendous growth in the life of the church. So a lot of people were confined in their own home and just looking at God, I think that was one of the best time for so many churches, especially in our part of the world, devoting themselves fully to the Lord in prayers. And we have seen amazing, amazing growth, growth during that time. And so many churches have been planted out of you know, out of uh, what happened during the COVID. But Nepal has been an exception country where we have seen tremendous growth. And Nepal is known as a country where Christianity is growing rapidly, despite of all the opposition from the government. And this anti-conversion law was introduced in 2016. But I tell you, the more persecution you know, government or anyone brings, the more growth we have seen in our country. And God has been gracious to us and a lot of miracles, signs and wonders. That has been our main tool to preach the gospel. And the Lord is always faithful and he always comes through. We have seen amazing, amazing breakthrough in the life of the church. And so many people, you know, have received the salvation and healing and a lot of, you know, uh, other stuff the Lord has done in their life. So that has been a key um, to the gospel in our part of the world. Why is it so important that you see miracles and the supernatural presence and power of God, specifically in your context? The moment anyone comes to faith, there's a opposition, especially from the family member. Always a lot of questions because in Hinduism, there are 33 million God and goddesses existing. And for them adopting Jesus, one of them is not a problem. But when you say only Jesus, and they would always ask questions, okay, you know, what is the difference between Jesus and other God and goddesses? So that's where we present Jesus as a God who, you know, gives salvation and gives healing and, and sets people free from demonic spirit. Yet they don't have to give anything to Jesus in order to receive salvation. Where with other religion, you always have to bring sacrifice or present something to God and goddesses in order to receive blessing. And that's where Jesus is distinct from other God and goddesses. You know, we have witnessed amazing miracles and healings. People set free from cancer. And uh, they have gone back to the doctor and done through all the, you know, diagnosis and scanning. And people have come out, you know, uh, absolutely uh, negative. No, no signs of cancer. So we have seen such miracles and people cannot fight against, 
you know, those signs and wonders and miracles. So we rely very much on, on the power of the gospel when we present. And, and, and I tell you, the Lord is faithful, you know, He always comes through. Rebecca, you came out of uh, yourself. Uh, your family was involved, I think, in many generations in, in Buddhism. What have you seen for other people coming out of different religious backgrounds? Buddhist or Nepali, what are you guys praying for now in the context of Kathmandu, but also broader Nepal? As I said, the gospel is spreading rapidly and almost every day I get uh, phone calls from different parts of the country and, and they, they wanted us to start church in the locality, in the region, because Nepal is full of mountains and God has been faithful to raise new generation, matured in the faith that Lord would choose them to send them different parts of the country. So at the moment, I would say we lack, you know, we lack people, we lack leaders. Preaching gospel is one part and where people come to faith, but discipling them, you know, is the, is the most difficult job, you know, and that's what, you know, requires a lot of resources and, and of course, manpower as well. And that is something, you know, we're trusting at the moment that Lord brings more people who would, you know, uh, partner with us to, to start church and, and discipling new believers. I know there's been a lot of growth in advanced partner churches in Nepal over these last few years. What have you guys been seeing in terms of growth of partner churches and how you work together? We work among 40 churches at the moment, and recently we have seen those 40 churches also planting, you know, other churches in the in the nearby region. It's not only us and our churches involved in church planting, but other new planted churches also planting new churches. And, and, and that's where, you know, we need a lot of training and, and of course, resources. And um, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a greater, you know, opportunity at the moment to get involved in, in, in those new territory. We live in Kathmandu. We don't, you know, live in those areas. But, you know, people have been so faithful reaching out to the neighboring uh, villages and countries. And, and, and the gospel is just, ex, you know, exploding um, in a way that sometimes, you know, it's even difficult to contain, you know. <laughs> and uh, we receive phone call almost every day. And, and we do, we do travel a lot, at, you know, in different parts of country to just be with them, encourage them in their faith. So that has been uh, our role at the moment, you know, going to the new, new places. There's always people have to sacrifice, bring offerings, but when it comes to Jesus, it's free. And, and that is something really attracts people in the beginning. And, and when they come to come in contact with gospel, of course, the gospel has power to transform their life. And, and people have experienced, you know, that sort of transformation in their life. And that's what really touches people's heart. Just <laughs> God is moving in Nepal rapidly. Yeah. I'm also become believer by healing, you know. I also back pain. Doctors say never, how to say, never yeah, heal, you yeah. know. I have a coxswain, yeah. And after praying, 
and I got healed. Wow. We, we ourselves have witnessed, you know, Two, miracles in our life. 2012, I, I can't move my leg. I'm paralyzed. Yes, he was like sort of half paralyzed, you know. And yeah, God is here. <laughs> God is That's here. amazing. Thank you so much. I mean, excellent just stories. And you bring such a another dimension of what the gospel is doing when it comes to the Buddhism and Hinduism stuff and how people are being reached. Thank you. Yeah, we've been blessed. We have seen, you know, the power of God, you know, in our generation. So, um, we're moving a bit away from uh, kind of church planting uh, and strengthening to kind of social service, social justice, working with the poor and the marginalized. Um, and so Live Village is um, uh, an orphan village, actually, in South Africa um, uh, that uh, my family has been quite involved in. Uh, my wife and I, we actually serve on the Live Canada board. Um, and so we help uh, raise awareness and raise funds for um, the work that they do uh, in South Africa in particular, there's a massive orphan crisis in South Africa. Um, and so uh, Live Village uh, does not just meet that need uh, in one particular way. Um, as you can see, they, they want to rescue kids, restore life, raise up leaders and release stars. And, and they've been going for over a decade. Um, Titch and Joan, who launched and started uh, Live Village. Um, they actually were with us at the Waypoint a couple of years ago, and I did a presentation to raise awareness of what they do here in Canada. Um, and so, yeah, we can just go through a couple of pictures. Uh, that gives you an idea of what the little homes look like. So each home has a mom, and she actually adopts those kids. They grow up there. That's their home. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they, they live there. This is this is this is their family, um, and uh, there's also a school on the village. And so, yeah, there's a, um, a mom getting one of the kids ready, um, and then you can see next slide. There's actually a preschool and a school. When we went to go volunteer there uh, in 2019, I think with my family, um, we uh, we helped uh, paint one of the one of the you know jungle gyms over there and weed some of the 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 grass areas just to to try and give back as we spend the day on the village there next slide shows you um just some of the kids uh enjoying the grounds um and then i think there's one more picture yeah that's some of the high schoolers um next slide is a picture my name is Mubeko. And I am 17 years old. I feel like I've been raised with care, love, and support. The siblings that are in my family, Tizbongani, Alwande, Banele, I've got a sister, which is Tandeka, and then I've got mom. So I came with my mom to the village and then she passed on. And that was really like the bad thing that's ever happened to me. But with the love and support of the village, uh, they really taught me that stays life. They said, you're part of the family, just come and stay with us and stay long. As I'm living in this space, I am free and I am me. The Mubego that is being released to the world is energetic 
and fearless, ready to tackle life and uh, take risks and to make the world a better place. It's a feeling that I can't explain. and I am from Live Village. So that's uh, just us in 2019. Uh, we were actually walking with one of the founders. They call her Gogo there. Um, and uh, next slide, um, I think also yeah, we were involved with one of the sports days over there um, with them. And then the next slide is actually my wife with um, uh, one of the one of the people in the video there is a, a British guy who's actually moved to South Africa and I think he's in charge of kind of the spiritual formation uh, over there that's his wife and uh, she helps uh, they also as I said do more than just um, help uh, with the orphan crisis they um, there's like skills training and so there's lots of these kinds of things uh, that they manufacture there as they as they equip uh, ladies and um, Tanya actually sells that in her store in Bean and Basket just down down the road, um, and so she actually does a village-to-village -village partnership. Live Village uh, is where she funnels from Pickering Village, where the store is. Um, and so, of course, it's dear to our heart as a family, um, but also just so you know that as, as a church, that um, we've made a huge difference um, uh, as we've been able to contribute financially to to them. Uh, even myself, I mean, there's one picture there. I, I'm running as a Live Champion, trying to raise funds for one of their projects, which is Live to Run, where they're helping these kids uh, actually grow, have a passion for running. Of course, um, give them a new sense of purpose. Many of them really good, specific, specifically trail running. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's just some of the ways that we've gotten uh, involved with Live Village. More information will be obviously at the back on the tables. Next up, I want to invite Amy uh, Esperaz up. Amy, let's give her a big round of applause. Thank Amy, you, Vic. Amy is from Compassion, and I'm actually going to stop talking because Amy's got a brilliant presentation. She's going to she's be able to do a way better job <laughs> than myself, but um, Amy actually really blessed uh, me by providing me with an opportunity to actually go to the Dominican Republic. There's a picture there of me uh, with some of the team members um, up on the screen. And uh, I'm just so thankful for that, being able to see the work that they do. Obviously, in Dominican, our work is primarily uh, as a church into Mexico. But I was so inspired. I know I spent a whole Sunday 
pretty much reporting back, I think, on that mm. particular trip. So thank, uh, thank you again for uh, you know, allowing me uh, the privilege of traveling with your organization. Yeah, no, thank you for uh, taking the time to travel with us. And I'm really glad that you were able to do that. Uh, I myself was able to go to Guatemala in April, my first uh, trip back to see our work in the field since COVID. And that was such a blessing. So I know that you had uh, been blessed by that as well. And so City Gates, if uh, those of you who don't know me, my name is Amy, and I am on staff with Compassion Canada. And I oversee our uh, team here in Ontario, uh, who then in turn oversees all our partnerships with churches, donors, volunteers, um, event partners, all of the above. Uh, but my, uh, my husband and I, my husband's here with me today, Floyd, and we live in Pickering. And so um, I had started this partnership with City Gates. And so City Gates is near and dear to my heart. And so I've kept City Gates in my portfolio. And so actually, um, this month marks five years since we launched our partnership here. That was uh, September 2018, if I remember correctly. And so, yeah, today we're just really here to say thank you and to celebrate our impact together. Um, I think we have a slide there that just kind of uh, have a summary of just what we've been able to do together over the five years, right? And so, um, Vic, I am really glad that you highlighted the church in Macedonia because... And I promise we didn't talk about this, <laughs> but when I think about City Gates Church, I think about the Macedonian Church. Just um, like as you said, you know, you're not a large church, uh, not like wealthy in any means, but your impact, just your generosity, and just your um, willingness to beg to be a part of kingdom work uh, is so evident in. Um, the impact that we see here on the screen. Um, I have in my portfolio of church partners, all churches of different sizes. I can definitely say like your impact in proportion to your size is huge, huge. And so together, you see on the screen there, you guys have sponsored 58 children, um, all of which are in, uh, in Mexico in our partnership cluster there near Mexico City. Um, to date, 38 of those sponsorships are still active, which is really amazing. We've seen a lot of uh, sponsors cancel through COVID, but to see 38 of the 58 still active uh, from your church community, that is massive. So thank you. Give yourself a round of applause, that's for sure. On top of that, though, you did not stop there. Um, since uh, when COVID hit in 2020, you know, um, it was unprecedented. I'm going to use that word, oh. that word, you know. Um, yes. And so um, it's not something we've ever seen in the history of our ministry, obviously. And so we reached out to all of our church partners, uh, including City Gates, to just say, look, we need more help, more than just uh, what we're getting through the support of child sponsorship. There's um, an emergency, basically, you know? And so you guys stepped up. In 2020, you guys um, supported Compassion's ministry by providing um, funds to help our COVID disaster response fund. And it was essentially to provide emergency food baskets to our um, 
to our uh, beneficiaries, program participants, we were able to allocate those funds specifically to Sri Lanka, actually. And so I have reporting available in the back there if you guys want to come and read about your impact. Um, but you guys didn't stop there. 2021, um, another crisis hit, and it was uh, the earthquake in Haiti. And you guys stepped up again. And you know, that uh, initiative, we provided several interim reports. However, it's um, not complete yet, and so we still owe you an, a report. That, that uh, project should be completed by the end of this year, to which I'll be sending your report. And then, um, you didn't stop there. <laughs> 2022, as a kind of trickle effect of COVID-19, um, you know, several countries where Compassion serves at, uh, they were plunged into what uh, experts are calling the global food crisis. And you guys did a fundraising over Christmas, right? And uh, we were able to, again, you know, alleviate some of the uh, hunger needs uh, in the world. And so, yeah, those, that's just like a little bit of a recap of what we've been able to do over the five years. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, do you want me to chat about what's next, yeah. possibly? Okay. Before I do that, though, I would love to see you guys at the table back there. Um, like I said, there's uh, examples of the reports, but also some uh, Bible study material that we have developed for um, families, for um, adults. You know, uh, come and grab them to use at home um, as a discipleship tool for your family. Um, there are actually five child profiles there of kids from our partnership cluster in Mexico. And so if anyone uh, don't yet sponsor a child, or if you want to add one more, um, come see us, you know. Um, yeah, but I wanted to maybe chat about 2023. I mean, we're almost at the end of 2023. But when you return from the DR, Vic, we started chatting about kind of what's next for 2023. And we talked about two ways that we could partner this year, um, potentially. And so the first one is already confirmed. We're doing it in October. Um, so there's a slide. It's probably two slides after. Um, it's the letter writing the one, event. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That we are piloting uh, with city gates. We're going to run it at the Waypoint on Tuesday, October 17th. And it's actually a way that we're partnering together to reach out to the community here. So obviously, um, a lot of people sponsor Compassion Kids right in this neighborhood. Uh, some of them might not be Jesus followers. Some of them might be kind of looking for a new faith community in the neighborhood. I know that a lot of people through COVID moved from like Toronto proper, out to the suburbs. Mm. They may be here looking for a faith community. And we just thought we would pilot this and see who would come, right? So Compassion sending out an e-blast to our uh, support, like our sponsors here in this area. And you guys can do the same. And we'll see who shows up, right? I'll be there. I'm really excited to, uh, to come and enjoy the evening. Um, inviting all of you to come, whether or not you sponsor a child, you can write a letter. We can write to your own sponsored child, but you can also, we'll also be writing to unsponsored children. And so there's a QR code that you can scan to register, and Vic will get all of that, right? And you'll send a, an email reminder to people. 
Yeah, and then um, the other thing that we are talking with the church elders, church leaders here at City Gates is potentially to see how we can um, further, you know, extend the uh, um, partnership in terms of uh, receiving funding from City Gates uh, annually. And this year I've proposed what, what we call a survival program. You've seen this, Vic, in the DR. It's our ministry to our to moms and Extreme poverty. No, 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 not yet. Um, moms who live in extreme poverty um, who are experiencing crisis pregnancy. And um, our program really is called From the Womb to the Workplace, right? And so this is the womb part. And I don't know if you guys know, but Compassion's program, the whole thing is driven through local churches. Yeah. Yeah. We're in 29 countries, one of which is Mexico. Um, and we're now partnered with over 8,200 local churches across all of those countries. And in fact, um, some of them are church planting as a result, right? And all of our program, the entire thing, from the womb to the workplace, is based on this verse, one verse, from Luke chapter 2, 52. And it's based on how Jesus grew up, right? It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in relationship with God and men. So four areas that we focus on helping kids from the womb to the workplace. And that's um, wisdom, like, right, uh, cognitive, educational, stature, physical, everything that they would need, relationship with God, spiritual, and with man. So like um, social and emotional uh, development. So very simple, just Luke 2.52, but also very complex. And this is why we seek partnerships with churches. And so we have a video to help you guys learn more as you discern whether or not this survival program is something that we would partner together with in 2023. So let's watch this video. Recuerdo que ese primer día en que yo vi a Yesenia cruzar la puerta, Realmente me impactó. Yo cuando llegué aquí a Supervivencia, este, físicamente vine muy, muy destrozada, muy triste. Prácticamente estuve sola. Su condición, cuando yo la vi, pues ella se veía demacrada, se veía muy delgada. Desafortunadamente, en ese momento yo estaba viviendo pues la separación de su esposo. Eh, yo la vi embarazada y pues sabía que probablemente había problemas con, con el bebé. Inmediatamente pasó con la doctora. La doctora la valoró. El bebé tenía bajito peso, ¿verdad?, para su edad gestacional. Pero gracias a Dios, en una semana pudimos hacerle llegar sus suplementos y empezó a ganar peso. Una noche, justo cuando Yesenia tenía siete meses de embarazo, eh, recibí un mensaje de ella. Realmente ese día los doctores dieron pocas posibilidades de que el bebé permaneciera dentro de, de la matriz de Yesenia. Pero nosotros siempre creímos que Dios tenía el poder de, de hacer un milagro. A mí me ayudó muchísimo supervivencia. Me dieron mucho amor, mucho cariño, cuando más, 
lo necesité, el amor que nunca tuve, que siempre busqué, siempre, y aquí lo encontré. Si no hubiera estado con pasión y la iglesia, nosotros como CDI, yo creo que el bebé Gabriel no hubiera nacido. Y que con la ayuda de compasión hemos podido servir a Yesenia, a su familia, en los momentos más críticos de su vida. Soy una mujer libre, muy agradecida con Dios. Ella fue transformada. Y Jesús transforma a las personas de una manera integral, de dentro hacia afuera. Uh, but in summary, I just want to say thank you. Your support through child sponsorship and your annual corporate giving is enabling the church in Mexico to do the work that they're called to and that they're meant to do for their local community. So thank you so much. Thank you thank so you. much, Amy. Let's give a big round. Thank you. Excellent. Well, very quickly... Um, just want to talk about Alpha. So this is, you know, we talked a little bit about social uh, service through live and through um, compassion. Uh, Alpha, again, is uh, on the, I guess, the, the cutting edge of evangelism. And we've used Alpha as a church, as a tool uh, to preach the gospel through radical hospitality to our neighbors and our friends, our work colleagues and our family members. Um, they have two tools primarily. Um, they should be up on the screen there. Um, the Alpha Film Series and a similar series that's catered just towards the youth. And that's in particular just to em empower Christians to have faith conversations um, on a week-to-week -week basis, uh, looking at one topic from a Christian perspective and then inviting uh, feedback from others and trusting that the Holy Spirit would do the work. It's not one of those moments where Christians have all the answers, but they're actually leaning very much on the work of the Holy Spirit as they ask, you know, prodding questions and really meet people where they're at, love them week in and week out, regardless of what they say, whether they throw, throw stones at Christianity or they are quite warm to the idea of who Jesus is. And, um, and it's been an incredibly effective tool for us. I think our muscle has weakened a little bit over COVID, and so we certainly need to strengthen that up again. But we give uh, towards the work that Alpha does because every single resource of Alpha um, that they make available to, to the church. Again, we love things that work through the local church. They make those resources available for free. They don't ask for anything, and they are of excellent quality. I mean, there's a couple of pictures there of, um, of, uh, of a pre-COVID uh, um, uh, outreach or, or, or alpha that we hosted right there by the waypoint we started outside in september and then eventually moved uh, inside you can see the next slide there just how we set things up um uh, on the inside as well that's actually a youth alpha that we ran in the waypoint kind of just after school we did that with a bunch of high schoolers as you know our waypoint location is a is a hit with the high schoolers from pickering high and so we actually ran an alpha youth uh, out of the waypoint once as well um again with resources that they don't ask a dime for not a, a cent for and so we are happy to sew back into their ministry to empower them to to do um to do that and so yeah more information about alpha um will be uh will be up uh, at the back if you have any more questions um i'm gonna ask courtney now let's give her a round of applause to come up onto stage and she's I got a little friend as well yeah and uh, all right, yeah, you guys can share that microphone if that's okay. 
So I've got a question for Courtney, and then eventually I think Courtney has some questions for Alexis. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll start off just with my question to you, Courtney. Courtney, you were once on staff with us at church, and then we said goodbye to you, and now you are on staff with an organization called Young Life. So my question to you is, uh, what makes Young Life different from any other youth group? As a church, our, our kind of youth jam is Young Life in many ways. I know we do some youth stuff, like I explained, uh, on a Sunday every second week. But a lot of our resources and our people uh, serve and volunteer and are a part of Young Life. So can you answer that question? What makes Young Life different? Uh, that's a great question. And although our youth group is great, um, shameless plug, um, what makes Young Life different is, um, I'd say the biggest thing is that we go out and, like, reach the teens so our mission is to you know go into teens lives and just build this connection earn the right and um yeah the earn to earn the right to share jesus with them and we do that in really like easy tangible ways like showing up to soccer games and baseball games and you know just building this relationship with them so just being jesus's hands and feet um practically and tell, tell us, Courtney, what do you specifically do for Young Life? So I, my title is right now a staff associate, um, and <laughs> staff associate too, actually. Um, so I'm entering my second year of staff, being on staff with Young Life, and um, basically, I don't know, there's so many things. So Young Life is... Uh, built on all these different areas. We do things like club, campaigners with Christian kids and all this stuff. So I'm organizing. Um, and actually, the staff associate program is a lot of learning right now. They have a once a week um, training for us to, you know, uh, go out into um, high schools and be essentially missionaries here. So um, yeah, my training is once a week, and then I'm also running club once a week with kids and campaigners, and I'm going to be starting to manage committee and just like a million things. So whenever anyone asks me what I do every day, it's very different every day, and it's really awesome. That's a good answer. All right, I'm going to hand over to you now because I think you've got a couple of questions you want to ask uh, Alexis. So I have one main question. How has uh, Young Life impacted your life? Um, so I started going to Young Life last year when I was in grade nine, and um, I was really nervous at first because I didn't really know anybody um, too well, but I remember the first night, um, I just felt so welcomed by everybody um, at Young Life, and I think that's something that they're really good at, is welcoming others, um, and they're just a really great community, um, and... <laughs> Um, so, I have more, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> yeah, um, um, and I think because, um, for me, my friends, they're not really Christians, so, um, I don't like get to have conversations with them about, like, my faith in a way that it's relatable to them. Um, I'm just more so answering their questions and, um, doing my best, doing my best to, answer them, but really I don't know everything. And so Young Life is a really great um, time for me to spend time with people who um, kind of know more about what I am going through and how my walk with Jesus is. Um, and um, I think that it's really great to hear people's um, 
perception, perceptions of Jesus and how we can um, build connections with each other and um, strengthen each other's um, relationships, relationships with Jesus. Um, and I also have the privilege to invite my own friends to Young Life so that they can have an opportunity to hear about Jesus as well. That is it, friends. Short and sweet. Very good. Well done, guys. Thank you so much. Okay, we are nearly done. We are nearly done. We've got just one more plug left, and then uh, we can have some coffee together, and we can roam around and have some individual conversations with um, some of the parties that are present here. But the last one is Bible Project. Just want to let you know that this is also something that we give towards every every month. Um, Bible Project um, is an amazing resource where they really um, take uh, the scriptures, but in particular the books of the Bible, and they tell the story visually. So it's animation, it's brilliant videos, short, very concise, but jam-packed with information. We've often used Bible Project as intro videos to books that we preach as a church. Um, just um, you know, putting them out there on the internet, again, it's a free resource, and we love that when they do, when people do things for free. That's how the gospel should be. We love to play for, you know, if 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 the gospel is water, we're very happy to pay for the plumbing to get it out to the people, you know. Um, and so, young, uh, not young life, but yes, them too. The Bible Project, um, they just do an amazing job. I actually had the privilege of visiting the the Bible Project offices in Portland last year uh, during my sabbatical. There's a picture there of me uh, at their offices, and then. The guy's voice that you often hear in the videos, if you listen to the podcast, his name's Tim Mackey. Actually, I had the privilege of meeting him as well um, on one of those occasions. Um, and just say personally, thank you so much for what you do, not just for the church, but for our church. We are real, real benefactors. Um, and so we will continue to use the Bible Project to lean on their resources uh, to help, as they put it, tell the story of the Scriptures, which is one unified story lead that leads to Jesus. Always begins and ends with Jesus for us here as a church who loves to help people find and follow Jesus. So we're all about the Bible Project as well. Um, so that just gives you a little bit of a glimpse um, in terms of the things that we give to consistently and regularly and perhaps some things on the horizon that we might uh, adopt and give towards uh, uh, some more into the future. I hope you're encouraged by this, City Gates. I hope that your heart is warmed. Um, yeah, to everybody that participated, let's give a massive um, round of applause. And uh, yeah, we are not done yet, so I'm going to pray. And when I said amen, you can uh, grab yourself a cup of coffee and say hi to some of our guests that are here and browse uh, just some of the resources that are on the table as well.